warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. a very British podcast about very British movies, with sometimes just the occasional hint of professionalism. Scott here, with me, Stephen, good morning. Morning, Matt, how are you? Very well, it's bank holiday weekend at the time of recording. It's Easter Sunday, 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) we were just talking, weren't we, that we think this episode is probably not going to go out till mid-June at some point. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be summertime proper by the time this goes out, yeah. It's bizarre. Um, it's, it's warm, sunny weather, so maybe it's befitting. It's nice, it's lovely. It's, yeah. it's, it's an untypical bank holiday weekend in that respect. I wanted to have a chat with you about sort of bank holiday activities. We always mention when we talk about these classic British movies that, oh, that's a typical Sunday matinee movie, or that was always on on a rainy bank holiday. That's one of our favourite phrases that we always tend to use when we're reviewing these British movies. Yeah, yeah. Last night, I had a few drinks. I wasn't, you know, rolling in the aisles or anything, but I fancied watching a a carry-on movie. Now, we're reviewing them in order for the show, and at this point, we're only up to number two. We're up to carry-on nurse. So I thought, oh, I'll just jump forward a bit and I'll go into the early 70s stuff. And I watched Carry On at Your Convenience. Ah, the one about the um, industrial uh, industrial relations are in the... the yeah. The, the, yeah, so yes, um, a bit uh, of a strike on. Yeah, yeah, now when we get to review that proper, I would like you to be part of that review, bearing in <laughs> okay. mind your background. Um <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with toilets, listeners. Nothing uh, to do with toilet humor, no. <laughs> but I found myself laughing way more than I should have done. It was just, it just brought back a lot of memories, these sort of bank holiday memories of, of watching these films as a kid. And it was stupid, it was puerile, it was, it was silly, a word we used in the Life of Brian episode. It was a very silly movie. But it brought back a lot of fond memories and a lot of familiar faces and a lot of sort of friendly faces of like Sid James and Kenneth Williams and Joan Sims and all those people we associate with the Carry On movies. Tony and I are, are doing the reviews movie yeah. by movie, but we haven't really spoken. Are you a fan of the Carry On series? I think most of the early ones and then they're sort of as they as they become more polarised in their humour and become, as you say, more more puerile and, and they start just having the the more the body mm. um, seaside humour, they tend to, you, you see the jokes a lot more ahead. You know, the early ones with Carry On Sergeant and things, I felt there was a, there was a bit more subtlety to them, which, you know, appealed, and there was there was a bit more plot as well to them. Oh, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't quite, but, um, but I can't deny that because of, like you say, this bank holiday 
sort of watching memories from being a child and you know in my teens i suppose as well mm. you it, it's they've got a resonance for you even even the poorer ones you watch and there's something there that you know does actually tick a box for you that you can in, enjoy and some of it is like you say seeing the familiar faces you know just in different roles and some of those aren't the carry-on staples they're people that you you know from um some sitcom that happens to be making an appearance in it so they you know they're it's it's really odd that which ones actually stand out in your memory i mean for some reason and you know, carry on screaming some for some reason actually you know i remember particularly well yeah um but they they it's that comfort zone it's taking you back to a comfortable time of watching that you know sat on the the, the living room carpet watching this film that was one on one of the free channels that we had <laughs> yeah. um and you know you couldn't go outside because it was pouring over rain and this was just uh you know escapism for you know an hour or two when you actually didn't have to be at school and you could enjoy something so it's the carry-ons as a whole yes i you know i can definitely identify with them and, and enjoy some more than others but yeah, yeah they're definitely the they're iconic so, yeah. you know, you have to be covering them. Well, ITV3 this weekend are showing six carry-on movies plus a couple of documentaries, so they fully embrace the whole bank holiday carry-on atmosphere, I think. A- another sort of series that I always associate with bank holidays is James Bond. There's always oh, a of course, yeah. Always yeah, used yeah. to be a James Bond movie on on bank holiday weekends, normally on the Monday itself. And I think to a certain degree some of those satellite channels you know like the the three view ones like itv3 itv4 or whatever will still show a james bond over the bank holiday yeah. weekend somebody well, mem- is still keeping the tradition the, yeah i remember the other year there was one of them that they were showing a different james bond um each day of the the easter weekend so they were showing on oh, on mm. on good friday the saturday the sunday and the monday they were showing either either four of them in that were you know following in sequence mm. or they were showing more than more than one at a time. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, again, they're because they're a staple of, of British cinema, and because they're there's they they are a series that people can can watch and feel comfortable with. Again, they're ones that were on on the the, the television there, you know, and for us to watch along with other you know other things that had that episodic quality sort of thing. Mm. Um, although they weren't linked necessarily as as films not in the same way as sequels are these days they were they were part of a series um same with normal wisdoms that you know obviously you're reviewing i mean I, you know i'm a massive fan of normal wisdom same as you yeah. and they, these were they were there you know they were they were the ones that would they would pick to show because they were comfortable for people to watch and to some extent they appealed to the whole family yeah yeah and at the time when we were kids some of these movies were quite recent you know if we were watching carry on convenience at your convenience as a kid it was only going to be five or six seven years old you know almost at a first run for it on on mainstream terrestrial tv and like you said there was only three channels anyway to choose from so you would end up watching whatever was on because you had no choice i'll tell you what came to me as well while i was thinking about bank holiday viewing and it's not british movie related but Back in the day where there was no access to VHS or DVDs or anything like that, and Disney movies would only come round once every seven years, the BBC would always show a thing called Disney Time, which would show clips of, of all different Disney movies, and it'd be your only chance of ever seeing them. Yes. For years oh, yes. and years. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that? You know, it's, it's strange the way the world has evolved, you know, where 
things are more readily accessible, more easily available. For example, the movie tonight that we're going to be talking about, you watch it on YouTube. I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, easy enough, you know, it's within the copyright having uh, fallen fallen off, so that it's able to be shown on YouTube, but YouTube decides to put some of their extremely modern adverts in between. So you've got a, a smartphone advert that's um, it's all singing and dancing and playing this, this modern modern music um, <laughs> that's all flashing lights and stuff, and you think, hmm, that doesn't quite sit rightly with this. You know, maybe your, your targeting of what you decided to advertise on it should be <laughs> more the kind of advertising that they have on Talking Pictures TV. Yes. But, but absolutely, yeah, there was a you know a medium by which you know bring up um, YouTube on my television and watch watch the film. <laughs> so do these adverts crop up quite regularly, things. So I don't generally watch full length movies. Yeah, uh, I think there was four adverts throughout the length oh. of the film, and obviously it's not a, a massively long film. There was there was that to it, and there's no warning that they're coming. They just boom. No, just... no, the no, no, and they. They obviously haven't done like you get when you watch the television. They obviously try and pick a point mm. to actually put the advert in roughly around a certain time, but they yeah. make sure at least um, a scene is finished or a bit, or even like if there's two characters interacting, they don't actually have one of them say something to somebody and then the advert kick in and then the reply come after the advert. That, so there's that sort of slightly disjointed because it's done so automated. But the you know the adverts are only sort of twenty seconds and then you're back to it. So you, you they can just about get away with it without it actually having an impact. And um, you know it didn't take me out the film really because oh, okay. I was you know I was obviously used to used to how media works. So, <laughs> was it a first time watch for you this movie? It was. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I knew of it mm. um, just from, I think there was something that our de- dear friend Adam mentioned at some point in the past on one of his podcasts possibly yeah. about Gainsborough films. It yes. must, might have been the Alfred Hitchcock connection. So I'd actually looked and, and read a bit about Gainsborough films at one point in the past a couple of years ago. Yeah, And so I was aware of the film studio, so I was aware of this film and I, I think I'd read a synopsis of it um, at the time. Um, and seeing that although Gainsborough was really more B-movies, that this was one that actually did gain quite a, a success. Oh, yeah, it was uh, their most, right. most successful, their most popular out of the the whole of the melodramas that they yeah. did. Interestingly, again, I've chosen this film thinking I've seen it, but I hadn't. Again, it was a first-time watch for me. Oh, right, I thought you'd already seen it. I thought I had. I thought it's just one of those ones that whenever you watch a documentary about the history of British movies, a, a clip from this would always be shown or, you know, James Mason is such a famous character in this movie and it's part of British film history that I, in my mind, I thought I'd seen it. I've probably seen little bits of it being on TV again, probably that bank holiday weekend thing where it's on in the background. And I sat and watched it and I thought, Do you know what? I don't know this movie at all. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. But this isn't the first time that uh, it's been suggested uh, that 
something you've been involved with could offend the royal family because back in 1946... <laughs> yes, you're going back to the, the Wicked yes, Lady. Yes, the film yes. of the Wicked Lady was <laughs> yes. chosen as the royal command performance. Was that the first command performance? No, it, no, it wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't yes. chosen as a command performance. It was just happened to have a royal premiere. A royal premiere, Which was Queen it? Mary was attending. I see. <clears throat> but, but the press suggested at the time the press, that it may offend the Queen. The and press they, came out that morning, the morning of the premiere, the press came out with enormous headlines saying bawdy, salacious, disgusting, appalling, Queen Mary should not have to sit through this film, she should not attend this premiere. Sounds like my kind of movie. <laughs> well, you know, when you think of it now, it's absolutely absurd. Anyway... But didn't um, they actually censor Yes, there's somebody who came from um, St James's Palace or wherever it was, and he had to sit through this film because of the notices in the morning, you see, to see whether it was all right, and, of course, he didn't understand what all this nonsense was about. He said, perfectly all right. It's not going to offend Her Majesty at all. And uh, anyway, uh, that night arrived, you know, we were all a bit sort of like this, and um, she was absolutely charming. We were all introduced. And then she went and sat down in the front of the um, dress circle, surrounded by these beautiful flowers and everything, and the picture started. And there were reporters waiting everywhere for the Queen to get up and go. This is what they were hoping for, you see. And of course nothing happened and the end of the film came and she rose and we all rose and as she passed me, she stopped. And I went into a curtsy, you see, and um, she told me how much she'd enjoyed the film, what a lovely picture it was, all so exciting. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And uh, she went and one of the reporters rushed up to me and said, uh, what did you say, what did you say? I said, she said she loved the film and she thought it was lovely and that was it. And he didn't print it the next day because I looked in his column and all he said was certain passage of dialogue had been muted so that the Queen would not hear it. It's absolute nonsense. It hadn't been muted at all. <laughs> well, let's listen. We have a scene from The Wicked Lady and I think we ought to take a look at it now. I remember seeing it as this high. But this is a part where James Mason, who's a highwayman, has been taken off to the gallows. But unexpectedly, he turns up and has his wicked way with you. You, but it wasn't it. Come, it... come, that isn't worthy of you. You always had the courage of your iniquity. What are you going to do? Ah. What would you do to someone who'd sold you to the hangman? You don't know what it feels like to be strangled, do you? My lady, it's an experience we ought to share. You feel the rope crushing your windpipe, choking the life out of you. The whole world goes black with spots of vivid color flashing against the awful darkness. You feel as if your head's going to burst. You kick and struggle and squirm. <coughs> it's quite an experience to have had and survived. You know, after my friends had cut me down, it took them two hours to bring me round. And I had a hell of a sore throat. How did you find me? Easy, once I'd seen you in your coach with the skeleton arms. I laughed when I learned that the lady of the manor was a certain Lady Barbara. The secret passage? I searched the grounds. Once I'd found the entrance, I knew it'd lead to you. And now that you've found me? We're going to pick up our life together just where we left off. 
What do you mean? I meant to kill you at first. Then I began to remember those crisp, clear nights when we rode together. The thrill of the hours that followed when you put aside your trappings of the road and lay in my arms. Warm, yielding, lovely. I knew then that it wasn't vengeance that I wanted. It was you. No! No! Have I suddenly become so distasteful? Things are different now. I'm in love, deeply, sincerely in love. My caresses would be repulsive. I told you I'm in love. <laughs> It'll be a new experience to take you against your will. You wouldn't. You underrate me. I'll call for help. Give yourself away? No, Barbara. You're as much in my power as if we were on a desert island. No! No, please, please! This must be what they mean when they say revenge is sweet. The Wicked Lady. Released in the UK the 21st of January 1946, but the production was 1945. Directed Leslie Arliss, starring Margaret Lockwood, James Mason, James Mason, Sean Connery, Jason, yes. uh, Patricia Rock, Michael Rennie. The synopsis. 17th century beauty Barbara Worth starts her career of crime by stealing her best friend's bridegroom. Her next exploit is to recover gambling losses by donning mask and cloak and taking to the roads as a highwayman. The thrill of these ventures proves addictive, especially when she meets a male highwayman who becomes her lover. Together, the two desperados lead a gay secret life pursued by the local magistrate Sir Ralph Skelton, Barbara's husband. To what further crimes will the wicked Lady Skelton descend? First time watch for me. I'm going to say straight off the bat, I absolutely adored this movie. I had so much fun with this. And just reading through that synopsis, one of the first things that came to mind as I was watching it, it was like a period soap opera. It was like one of those old American soaps from the 80s, like Dallas or Dynasty, but transposed to Jacobean England, because we had everything in this. We had lust, we had murder infidelity we had highwaymen and and deaths and everything you expect from a Gainsborough picture a Gainsborough melodrama as you say you did a bit of research into to Gainsborough so you're sort of aware of of what their output was first impressions mate before we go into into the review uh, my, my very first impression when I started watching it I thought what's what's going on here because there was a little <laughs> bit of disjointedness in the plot early on mm. which I you know um, and I thought oh dear I, I don't think I'm gonna really get on with this it's oh. I'm not really I, I thought I don't, you know there was there's a little bit of the 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 jumping with um uh what was it we watched before where there was a a, a letter arrived and the next 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 scene is is the plot developing Howard's end. that letter Howard's end Howard's End, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And there was there was a little bit of that, and then suddenly, you know, so there was a, there, there was a little bit with the plot that the I, timelines, I was thinking, yeah, yeah the mm. timelines. But then once that initial sort of setting of the scene was done, yeah, um, then it, it just rolled and <laughs> um, and it didn't stop. And the the for, for saying it's a film that's an hour and forty four minutes long which mm. for the time i think was you know it's quite extraordinary mm. um 
it it doesn't let up. It's not got any any sort of slow moments in it. It just <laughs> it barrels on all the way through, cramming quite a lot in. But there's um, everything in this, yeah, yeah. So it it, it impressed me um, in the end because you know just that initial sort of wobble, me thinking, ooh. Mm. Um, then it was it was a film I just went, wow, that was <laughs> that. that 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 just astounded really. I didn't expect that. I was, you know, it suddenly changed um, almost with a click of a finger. It changed at one point to being um, to to actually getting going and and actually been something I could I could follow rather than yeah. going what. Um, and then from that point on, yeah, I was sold. It starts um, off as a bit like a sort of a Jane Austen type novel or something like that, and then yeah. it becomes this adventure. It becomes an adventure movie, and. You saying about, you know, the build-up and taking time before suddenly with a click of the fingers we're into the action. I remember watching a documentary years ago, and this has always stuck with me, that there was some film researcher, some media historian, that had done a lot of research into probably movies around this sort of period. And he had a theory that if you've got a 90-minute to an hour and three quarter minute uh, hour and three quarter movie similar to this look at around the 26 or the 27th minute mark because that is the point where something will be revealed that is essential to the rest of the story or the crux of the story will be revealed at the 26 minute mark the 27 minute mark and i watched it and the word highwayman was first mentioned at 26 and a half minutes or something like that and it's, it's something I've always done with movies. Is is that the hook to make sure that people don't sort of wander off? Because um, you know, the, get to that point through people having larger attention spans back then. In a way, mm. but um, they would they would give it until about that point before they actually maybe wandered out of the cinema or turned the attention away. And then bang, um, they've got and, them. But that mm. that hook, then they they got them for the reveal into you know, the, the second act. Yeah. Unfold. yeah, yeah, yeah. And look out for it. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not the case in every single movie. No. But you'll find yourself thinking, actually, that does work 90% of the time, 26, 27 minutes, round about then, there'll be a plot reveal or a key word that will be the hook for the whole of the movie. And in this particular case, it was the gambling and um, she's lost the, the brooch that her mother gave her. Yeah. And the word is, don't don't wear that because... <coughs> Some highwayman may may rob that from you, and it, yeah. bang, you're in. You know where you're going and from there. You can on. see her as she does a, a number of points. You can see her sort of stop, and you can see her thoughtful scheming face <laughs> uh, when she's coming up with a plan, which is you know, very a, much uh, elaborated. But, um, there was a couple but, of bits like that, yeah, yeah. But I have to say, you know, the other thing with first impressions, just to go back, you know, mm. quickly to what you said, first impre- first impressions. There, um, two things, uh, you know. Margaret Lockwood, yes, stunning, stunning-looking woman. Oh, gorgeous! Absolutely stunning-looking woman, particularly in this in the in the period costume. Yep. Um, and the other is that her character Barbara. What a complete and utter bitch! Oh, we have we have met some evil sort of characters, both male and female, yeah. in our progression through British movies. But this one, she is right from the outset, within seconds of meeting her. She has stolen her best friend's husband to be. Um, literally within the first ten minutes of this movie kicking off, and you think, okay, we know there's this highwayman plot about to develop at some point. 
what's this woman capable of? And and as I said, we get everything. We get absolutely everything that you know Bobby Ewing would not have dreamed of of achieving in, in an episode of Dallas. Yeah, they, they, she's definitely more than young and restless. Um, <laughs> she's she's oh she's she's just she's got no scruples whatsoever. No, um, she you know like you said. It's it's murder. It's th- theft. It's infidelity. Uh, it's infidelity. It's you know it's cruelty. Lust. It's just, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised she didn't didn't actually have a scene of her in a um, in a sort of by the riverside chucking a bag of ke- bag of kittens into the. Well, she shoots a horse. Stones. Yeah, she shoots a horse. Yeah, <laughs> so she, you know, animal cruelty in there as well. So yeah, she's she's there's no there's no level to which she won't stoop. Just to get what she wants, which when she gets it, she isn't happy with. Yeah. So, so Great. completely un- unredeemable as a ca- as a character. Um, but you know, just um, but the, just, at the same she, time, she, you can't help but loving her because it's it's just such an amazing character. This is it. You just you just can't stop watching her. No, she's uh, to some extent you're watching her, knowing that she's a car crash in the making because she's you know she's destroying everything. Um, that is there to to keep her in her place. She's yeah. just um, you know, just like a, a she's like a wildfire just going through <laughs> her life and everybody else's life, just destroying everything as she goes through. I mean, there is no, I don't think there's anybody who, who isn't damaged by contact with her. Yes, um, yeah. in this film, it's, she's just poison all the way through to everybody else's life and ultimately her own. But um, not before she's done. She's just wrecked havoc like a tornado <laughs> through with everybody's life, and and they let her. Yeah, that's it. They, they let her. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, you know, some of them are quite aware of what, or they have suspicions as to what she's up to. We've we've mentioned sort of villains in the past, for example, say Vincent Price in Theatre of Blood, where we've said that they're chewing up the scenery. You know, they're that involved in the role. They're chewing. The, she devours this. She, every scene she's in, she dominates every scene. Yeah. Um, an incredible, incredible character, and I can't praise this movie highly enough. Uh, for a first-time watch, I mean, it's playing in the background now as I'm talking to you, and I'm, I'm trying desperately not to watch it because I'm, I'm sort of getting sucked into the into the movie <laughs> again. The movie, it's it, as we said, it's a Gainsborough Pictures. Tell us about Gainsborough Pictures. Doing your research on Gainsborough, sir. Well, it's just that they were they were sort of the um, sister to to. Um, I believe it was Gaumont or or something like that. They were they, who did the sort of earliest films and things, and and Gainsborough did more the B movies, which obviously for those that you know should be aware mm. from what, from listening to this podcast should be a bit more aware about. You know, there was a film that was often put on before the main feature in, yeah. in cinemas, and um, they specialised in doing this. So the budgets often weren't high. The um, the acting talent wasn't the premium talent of the day. The writers weren't the premium talent of the day either. The money that was spent um, on creating the sets and doing the filming, it was often a, a more shoddy. Um, and that's, you know, that's where they, you know, they were um, settled around. Um, and it was late 30s, early 40s when they were doing most of their stuff, filming it in North London in Islington. But that, it was... Um, it was Balkan, wasn't it? It was it was the the main creative force behind it as the the creative director of the entire studio. Oh right, um, Michael Balkan, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 
In fact, he was a creative director of both the, the, the two sister studios, um, the A, A studio and the B studio. Right. And there they were, you know, it, there was the encouragement there that there was the involvement of where um, Hitchcock came through um, through these studios and been in the same places where this was this was filmed in the studio in North in Islington. It was, you know, a studio that Hitchcock worked in. Um, doing his films I think in the it was Lime Grove, wasn't things. it? I think it was like, so, yeah, I think it might have been Lime yeah. Grove where the BBC did some early te- television work in the 60s. Well, yeah, yeah, the BBC, the actual physical studio, the BBC took it over in the late 40s and actually then used it up until the 90s, yeah, uh, when it was converted into flats. And there's actually a big, a massive sort of sculpture, modern art head mm. of um, of Hitchcock oh. in like in like the sort of communal area. Um, outside the um, flats um, to commemorate, and there's also a blue plaque, obviously. There but, you go. Mm. but the studio, yeah, it's what they specialised in was more B movies, and that's why this one was a bit of a surprise because it's it's um, although it, it didn't do as well over in the states, and I do uh, I do believe that some of that was to do with the heaving bosoms. They had um, to reshoot. The mm, they had to reshoot um, a lot of the scenes because of the haze code because of the cleavage. Yeah, that, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. That mm. doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, that was the weird thing about this. They've obviously, for some, I, I don't know the the history of of it exactly with this film, but there's, for some reason, they managed to get um, some money spent on it. Um, the, the costuming, and there was obviously some um, when they were riding on the horses. You can <laughs> they've got a screen going behind and playing the actual journey down the road rather than actually being filmed on location and yeah. things. And I think that. That would have cost money, and I think that they've they've somehow they've managed to get investment of money for this particular film as opposed to the other films that were lesser for the B it's side of the genre. Possibly because it's the first one filmed after the war, nineteen forty five. Right, maybe something to do with that. It's certainly the most successful financially. It was certainly the most popular out of what they described as the Gainsborough melodramas which were a series of about four, five, six movies that were based on sort of period novels. And this is the one that always stands out when people mention Gainsborough. It's, oh, The Wicked Lady. It's that one. Go on, I mate, carry say, it's, it's, well, it's, it's based upon a novel, I believe, but um, it's actually, you know, obviously been adapted. And I think the dialogue is quite, you know, you, you're looking at some of the dialogue and it's easy to ignore, I think, if you were watching this without... Um, Without wanting to accept it, that there's some of the dialogue is is quite impressive with some of the 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 quips and the witty remarks and stuff, and particularly when she, the main character Barbara, is feeding off her sister-in-law, where they're actually just being awful to each other. <laughs> um, it's it's you know some some of the wit in there and some of the lines are, are, are quite clever and quite easy to miss. Really, there's there's quality here that I think. Is easy to miss in some respects. There's there's a lot of baldy sort of language and sort of conversations between the James Mason character and Margaret Lockwood as well, and it's almost almost like Carry On Dick. You know, some of the two sort of things that some of the things that they say to each other in a bit of an innuendo, underhand way. You know, there's that cheeky saucy thing that's that's just going on. You thinking this is 1945? We've got heaving bosoms. Saucy humour, infidelity, all this stuff going on, and this is literally 
the year after. This is the same year as Brief Encounter, for God's sake. This was made exactly the same year. Yeah. Incredible. Let's just go back. You said it was, it was based on a book, um, which in turn was supposedly based on a true story. Um, right. The lady in question, the wicked lady, is a lady called Catherine Ferrers. And according to popular legend, she terrorised um, Hertfordshire as a highwayman, highwaywoman, uh, before dying from gunshot wounds during a robbery, which is true to the film here. And it is it's supposedly a very true story. And, and also, I mean, we've seen this in popular culture as well. I mean, the first thing that springs to mind is the Blackadder episode. Yes. Where this is, is, is more of a, a parody of this movie, the Black Adder episode, because is it Miranda Richardson plays the highwayman, doesn't she? And does a James Mason impression. In, in yes, the, absolutely. <laughs> the shadow. Yeah, the shadow. yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Well done. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. That's, yeah. that's, almost, that's almost a Creighton moment for me. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in the shadow. Shoot and, the squirrels. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, um, yeah, and it's, that's obviously shows that the the cultural influence that this film had, yeah, and 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 has that it's um, it's left that that legacy that even people who haven't seen this film, which there'll be a lot of people who haven't, um, people who haven't seen this film, actually there'll be um, a film or a piece of popular culture that's been influenced by it, um, which you know even if it's even if it's some influence like that, Blackadder or, or um, an Adamant yes. video. Because yeah. um, I say, he even buzz him in that, I tell you. Um, but, the <laughs> yeah, the, this has had an influence, and it shows that, it, you know, for what came out of a B-movie studio um, on the, you know, just after the war had finished, we you know, within months of the war finishing, um, shows that it's, uh, it's still got that cultural um, importance mm. in British film, which you know is what you've picked up on. Why you know why you've chosen it to be a, a, a film for us to watch? And because also, why I, I would have gone it. to it as a first first choice of being uh, something on my list of going. <laughs> oh, I know. I'll pick, you know, just but yeah. it's absolutely it's valid to be there. Absolutely, it should be. Oh, it's, it's it's a famous British movie, but again, I, I thought I'd seen it. It's so ingrained in, you know, oh, it's the Wicked Lady, Margaret Lockwood. Yeah, I must have seen. No, I hadn't. And and what I got was pleasantly surprised at a movie that made me laugh. It had me on the edge of my seat in, in certain places because the drama and the melodrama that was going on. But it just amazed me at how adult, how mature it was for 1945. And they must have pushed the boundaries with the censors not only in America, but also in this country. I read somewhere they had to do nine days of reshoots to satisfy the American censors, um, and James Mason didn't like that finished version. He preferred the, the British version that was released over here. Um, it was tamed down quite a bit for the Americans because of the Hayes Cup, right. as we said. Um, did he hears <laughs> damage he did to cinema. Yes, um, yes. So, James Mason, second appearance for him? Absolutely, yeah. I think he's the only one um, out another. of the cast that does actually crop up from... Is there another? Yeah, Martita Hunt. Um, the older cousin out of the three oh, right. spinsters. She was in Admirable Crichton. Ah, I've missed that one. Yeah, that's the only two I could find. The director, George Arliss... 
probably won't crop up again. Not in the very near future. He's got quite a... He, he did a lot of Gainsborough stuff, but there's nothing that stands out. Nothing amazingly sort of like, oh, wow, we're going to have to talk about that particular one. Um, we'll come back to James Mason and, and Margaret Lockwood in, in a moment. But but uh, Martina, Martita Hunch, mm. absolutely, yeah. I mean, at some point, great expectations of yep. the, uh, the David Lena we'd done, and she was obviously in that. So, yeah, that will um, definitely happen. Yeah. Felix Aylmer, who was Hogarth, the sort of puritanical butler. Yeah. Bit of a Shakespearean actor. He appeared in Olivier's Henry V and Hamlet, so we may get to him eventually, amongst other things. And I didn't reckon, well, the really suave, cool dude in this movie, Kit Loxby, the guy with the long flowing hair and the pencil thin moustache. Oh, I know a Yorkshireman, yeah. <laughs> it's Michael Rennie. Now, yeah. Michael Rennie, I'm thinking I know that face. I didn't recognise him with a moustache. Michael Rennie was in the sci-fi movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. Klaatu um, Barada Niktu, it's him. Yeah, he was, he was actually in... Um, he was actually in quite a, quite a few interesting films, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, The Lost World and... Uh, yeah, Black Rose and I didn't realise like he was that. British. Because um, of The Day the Earth Stood Still, I thought he was an American actor. No, no, he, he had a... He, Seemed to have a reasonably good career over there in the states, including mm. being in in the Batman TV series. Um, was he? But yeah, he was. He, he played. He had a, a um, he played one of the villains. Can't remember which one. Oh. Um, not one of the not one of the main villains, but no, just one of the, the. I don't know. Um, you know, probably Doctor Hypnosis or the Sandman or something <laughs> like that. Um, so it was only like a one-off appearance, you know, and you're probably probably wearing makeup so you couldn't recognise who he was. But I seem yeah. to remember. Um, but yeah, he had a he, he had a, a career over there in the states. Although you know, born in born in Bradford and died died in Harrogate, so obviously he went over there and had his career, and then came back to his roots basically. Um, yeah. So a, a York, you know, the Yorkshireman along with James Mason. Didn't um, know that. Wow. Yeah. So um, so yeah, they you know just think of them two um, speaking in their native accents off you know off <laughs> camera um, as opposed to their their received pronunciation that they had uh, quite it was all, it it was a little bit sort of posh and stilted in some of the, the the delivery but that was actually who the characters were rather than that was what they were meant to be doing so it wasn't a bad acting in any way it was it was that way of delivering um, what you were saying in a way that that was actually how people perceived to have spoken in those times but yeah he had a he had a glorious career did uh did michael rennie really and uh easy to um to forget really where he started out in things like this again didn't realize that he was a british actor until looking yeah. at this the, uh, earlier today so that's that's the people that are likely to be cropping up into the village hall of fame at some point this movie i mean let's just talk through the plot Briefly, it's it's the story of a woman that will stop at nothing to get what she wants. But the way it's portrayed, as I say, I had so much fun with this movie. It wasn't it wasn't like a heavy drama. It you know like it's described as a melodrama, and you think, oh, it's going to be one of those period pieces that are all doom and gloom. There's a lot of, and wickedness is a very good word, there is a lot of wickedness in the character. 
is the best way of describing it. It's a bit of a romp. It is just something that is like totally enjoyable and totally unexpected for what I was going into the movie watching. And, and I'm just so glad that, that it was picked to, to review today. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thank you for it because the and initially, like I said, I was expecting something different, and I was expecting not only when it first started, the expecting it to be more, um, more of the 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 Jane Austen the way it initially mm. started started out. But before I started watching it, I was thinking there was going to be a lot more of the high women activities I was going to you know I was going to be expecting yeah. it more like the life and death of Dick Turpin there wasn't thing. a lot was there but, when you think about it, it? No. But, yeah and most most of her diabolical wickedness <laughs> and scheming and, and just the um, the awfulness that she actually perpetrated on people's lives wasn't at the end of a pistol on the highway most of it was in her own home Yes. Um, the way that she just wrecked people's lives. And that was where the, the, the majority of her wickedness was, to be honest. Um, you know, really, the highway part of it, the highwayman part of it, was actually her taking a bit of a day off, really, from being quite <laughs> as evil as she was when she was at home. Um, so, that it, as I say, it, it was a film that, that booked my expectations um, and um, had me gripped because... Once they got past the, the Jane Austen start, it was just like you've just said, a romp. Yes. It didn't it didn't let up and you're thinking, what more can she do? And what more is she gonna be getting away with as far as, you know, killing people off and So say but then five um, minutes later she she, you know, surpasses that. She tops herself again, you know, just when yeah. you think, Oh, well she's she's killed a horse. Where's she gonna go now? Oh my god, she's killed the butler. You know, sorry, spoiler yeah. there, but it, it's it's that level. She, she, she will it's, stop it's almost her. like the Donald Trump thing where, you know, he, he does something awful and you think that's going to be the, the thing that defines his, his presidency. And then and sort of 23 hours later, he does something even worse. And yep. you no. can't remember what he did last week that was awful. <laughs> and um, and it's this is it. She just keeps just keeps stacking the deck higher and higher with this almost house of cards of, of evilness that eventually collapses. But. She just gets away with it for so long and, and just digging herself deeper and deeper into this, you know, wicked, torrid romp through her life and other people's lives. Yeah. I was I was thinking while I was watching it, where have I seen Margaret Lockwood before? And you mentioning Hitchcock. She was in The Lady Vanishes, the yes. late thirties British movie that Hitchcock directed. And there's a great film, early forties, about nineteen forty which she stars with Rex Harrison, called Night Train to Munich, which is a great movie. If you if you like early Rex Harrison uh, stuff, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I, I can't... I might... Vaguely rings a bell, but mm. I definitely haven't seen it. Sort so, of an espionage, um, sort of thriller. I think Carol Reed might have directed it. You know, one of those big names from yeah. the early 40s. And this is her most famous role. This is definitely yes. her most famous role. And it's just surprising that with our history of British movie watching, we both haven't seen it for something so important, so major in in what we, you know, we try to discuss week in, week out. Yeah. I'm so glad I can now, you know, tick this off as something that I have actually seen. Um, I'm sure there'll be some people out there, including like Adam, 
um, it will be just shaking their heads thinking, <laughs> how can you, you know, how can you call yourself British <laughs> film fans and never have seen this before? But we fixed that now, haven't we? It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, There's still but, more, we've, you know, we've still got plenty of gaps to plug as well. Yeah, yeah. This is part of but, the fun of the podcast, though. That's what we do. It is, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's helping bring the audience hopefully to that position as well where there's some things they might not have been aware of um but will actually appeal to their interest and this you know it's for all it's a a, a black and white film from um 1945 46 yep. um that's you know a period piece set not even in the period it's filmed in it's set you know hundreds of years before mm. it it does it does move as a film and actually grip you and actually keep you engaged in, you know, what next? You know, <laughs> and the and the quality is there. It's not it's not creaking scenery, it's not, you know, um sort of people just have been thrown some costume together that they've managed to find in the bottom of a dressing up box. You know, that's that seems to have been done quite um accurately as well so there's, there's the quality in there which for a b-movie studio is, is surprising so they've, they've they've invested the money and the quality and they've got the dividends out of it because it is a film that that does does stand up and yeah. obviously has, has left a legacy there were two particular scenes i mean we were saying that the director wasn't notable in any of his sort of previous or future work but there was two particular scenes that i thought oh the direction here is not too bad there's a scene where She's talking, I think it's to the husband, and, and there's a fireplace. And it cuts between the camera looking at the couple with the fireplace behind them, and then the camera moves to behind the fireplace, so the flames are in front. And it was something to do with the conversation. It's like gives it like this hellish atmosphere, and you think it all, you know, burning in hell type thing. And it was very clever, the way the camera cut from in front of the fireplace to behind. That was one scene that stood out for me. And there's another bit, which is right towards the end. And there's a bit of a spoiler here because she's dying towards the end. And the camera just goes back and back and back and back and back. It's, it's like it's like into the corner of the, ro- corner yeah. of the room, isn't it? Yeah, and she gets smaller uh, in the and ceiling. smaller. Yeah, yeah. Looking, looking down on her, uh, sort of staggering, holding her side as, yeah. across the, the room. Um, yeah, and that, that sort of... Shows gives you the the depth of field as far as how he's moving away from her, having seen how you know seen her in a true light finally <laughs> um, for the evil that she is, and he's backing off from her, and that shows you know um, what if it was closer shot, you wouldn't get the the depth of how far removed he was from her, and how 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 alone she was at that final part of her life, that dying dying minutes, she was utterly alone. Is it part of the, you know, the British um, sort of ruling at the time in British movies that are similar to the Hayes Code that any evildoers won't get away with what, you know, crimes or anything like that? You know, a bit like uh, the Jimmy Cagney gangster movies, you know, made it my top of the world, things like that. It's, it's, is it because of that? There has to be some sort of um, feeling that, you know, criminals don't get away with their crimes? There needs to be a comeuppance. Mm. It can't be that... that that crime pays yeah um absolutely and i mean that's that took a took decades for that to be the case where that didn't um didn't lose its 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 position in in films i mean you you know even the italian job i mean they don't actually get away with the gold no um spoiler um <laughs> but the um 
you know that that took i think it took up until the 70s before there was people who were sort of doing criminal acts or, or doing misdeeds mm. actually got away with it um because it couldn't be shown that the crime pays and this i think does emphasize that that all for all of the fact that she goes all the way through getting exactly what she wants in some ways but also not what she wants um she never <laughs> wants whatever she gets even though she's been doing awful things to get it um she in the, ultimately at the end she's left broken alone dying without anybody around her and the one person that she you know sort of decided she wanted um has rejected her yeah it's it's incredible with with we're saying that there's there's everything in this movie and we haven't even mentioned things like there's secret passages there's there's hangings that go wrong. There's horse shootings, which we touched on briefly. Poisonings. It's it's all yeah. here. You you could body in scenes of, yeah. of people carousing and um, yeah, uh, it's you know it's it's you know bickering elderly twin sisters and and um, it's it's there's there's so much in there. Um, that you know, it's no wonder it did reach the length of being an hour and forty-four minutes or whatever. But um, it doesn't, it doesn't let up. It just crams everything in there. You know, after this initial sort of scene setting for the twenty minutes bang, in the beginning, yeah. yeah, it's literally an hour and twenty minutes of everything you can cram in. Yeah, it's, it's got laughs. It's got action. It's got murder. It's <laughs> got cruelty. It's got you know bits of. of of violence it's got you know um within the parameters of what they could get away with violence wise at the time it's got heaving bosoms yeah um you know it's 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 got you know it's got that that sort of lustiness to it as well in the in the sort of the the dripping desire there is at certain points with um between characters and it's just yeah it's and, and it's got morality tale in there as well it's you know it's it's a film that has a lot more than you expect in it, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a silly plot, but just you you get lost in it. You just like you find yourself just enjoying a movie. I haven't enjoyed a movie on that level for quite a while. Where I've just sat there and thought because I think it was it was totally unexpected, as I said, as to what I was going into. I was expecting something a little bit different, a little bit more serious, and perfect acting. On everybody's can, there wasn't a duff performance in this movie at all. Margaret Lockwood and James Mason, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. But then all the supporting cast as well, like Patricia Rock and Martita Hunt, who is always going to be faultless. I can't recommend this highly enough. No, it's 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 a film like you said. It, it could be it could be done. It could have been done in a lot more dramatic way that was in the sense of being a. Um, a slow moving plot that just had less elements in it and it was sort of um had much more emphasis on on the slow development of things but this they've just you know just thrown everything in and just gone <laughs> fuck it okay we're just gonna go for it we're just gonna throw it all in there and just get it you know it could have gone then, horribly the, wrong it could yeah. not it could have backfired spectacularly because there was so much thrown into this pot but it didn't no, and the acting quality, you know, does actually help with that. Um, and the little flourishes from the director that that add that just just lift it slightly um, away from what it could have been, 
I think it's just been the 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 sum of its parts have just helped it be lift it above the you know either falling one side of the um, blade into being a a disaster and the other side into being a a rip-roaring success, really. Yeah, as we said, the melodrama to Gainsborough was sort of the equivalent that comedy was to Ealing or or horror to Hammer, you know, that sort of thing. They're associated so closely with that particular genre. I'm going to seek out a few of the others that I haven't seen because if they're on this level which I've got a funny feeling they may not be, because I don't think any of the others are no, going to top I think this. this. was this was the peak. This yeah. Was, yeah. But I'll be interested to go back and have a little look at some of the other ones, you know, that came before this, because this was the most successful. This was the most popular. I think it was the most successful and the most popular movie of 46 in the UK. And I'd just be interested to go back and have a little look at some of the other Gainsborough stuff. It's, it's just... The whole movie's... Stealing a, a quote from a, a more modern movie, it's, it's turned up to eleven. This movie, all the way through it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know um, they've they've had the balls to to go, go for it, and it's paid off. Yeah, they've just they've thrown themselves into it, and consequently, you're you're either willingly just um, running alongside it, trying to keep up, or you're being dragged along to actually try and and keep up because. Either way, it's going to barrel ahead without you um, if it, if it, if you don't keep up with it. And it it is. It's just full-on maximum overdrive with it to just give you more than just melodrama. I mean, this is just, you know, hyperdrama where they've just, <laughs> just, they've just decided to, to not care and to just go, you're getting it all. Whether yeah. you like it or not, you're getting it all. I'm you know. surprised that it hasn't become a cult movie one of those ones that people do like a watch along type thing where they rattle along the words together and laugh at the really bad special effects where they're on false horses and 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 just some of the the action sequences and the dialogue that gets thrown out it's just one of those movies that i'm going to go back and watch because i think there's some instantly quotable lines some oh yeah there are there there are some some very quotable lines and um I wouldn't. It wouldn't be surprised if, because of the speed at which things did, you know, just um, are rattled off in this at points. Um, I'd be, it wouldn't be surprising if there wasn't bits that you picked up on the from a second watch that you'd missed the first time yeah. round. Yeah, I'd, I'm going to watch it very soon. I might watch it in the next couple of days again because it's it's just a fascinating slice of 1945 British cinema as I say this is the same year as Brief Encounter completely different movies but oh yeah both yeah. equally enjoyable in their own way um, for me we know where we're going with this it's a five star rating from, from start to finish even though it takes 20-25 minutes before you get to the crux of the story there's still enough in that first 25 minutes for you to get a good idea of what Margaret Lockwood's character is all about. You've got a good inkling of where this movie's going to go by the time you get to 15, 20 minutes in, and it just it just opens up every single valve and bang. You just just let it wash over you. It's such a great movie. Yeah, I can agree. I mean, it's it's very watchable. There'll be some people who it's just not their thing and they won't be able to get into it and they won't give it a chance, and that'll be their loss, really. Um, but anybody who is open to being able to um, sit down and watch a, a piece of black and white melodrama, period melodrama, as it happens. Um, I think they'll they'll find that if 
this is in any way just touching upon something that they might like, I think they'll find it massively rewarding to just watch it and come away thinking, bloody hell, I didn't expect that. <laughs> and even, even with our descriptions, I think it still won't we'll probably convey. No, we're not they, doing it justice, that, are we? Really? No, that they... they <laughs> I mean, you definitely can't convey how absolutely evil she is. Yeah. Um, that's one part that we can't do. But the the the, the experience of, of watching it, um, and you've got to, as you said, the actual impact upon people at the time, mm. comparing it to what else was out there. Yeah. It's 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 amazing to to even think of it. You know, in terms of today, never mind then. So um, I think people need to, to as long as it's not something that is a massive turn-off idea what, to them, I think people need to actually go and, and have a look on YouTube, as it turns out, and um, give it a go, because this is just a piece of history as far as British cinema and also um, a, a real quality romp and, and oh. ride of your life. Although there's no need to go and see this on the big screen, I think it would be a lot of fun seeing it with an audience, listening to yeah, the reactions. Yeah, with, with with people who are familiar with it, who are who are um, sort of interacting and, and watching it in the right um, right mood. Absolutely, yeah. I think there'd be an experience to it. Great movie, fantastic movie. Let's take a short break. We'll be back with what we're watching next time. <laughs> So that was The Wicked Lady. It's going to take an incredible movie to top that. It's over to you. Let's see what we're going to be reviewing next time, my friend. Well, I'm not sure I can I can top it. But, um, <laughs> going for a period piece again, mm, mm. Um, although this is set in more or less in the period uh, when which the last film was actually filmed. Okay. Um, so it's based, based during the Second World War. Yeah. Um, though it's not not a war film, it's not a, as such. It's not about you know soldiers out there on the beaches or or shooting Ooh. Nazis and stuff. Um, more on the more on the home front, and it's a second appearance for a director that um, I actually kicked off with when I first came on here. So um, you probably uh, guessed by now that it's um, Hope and Glory. Oh wow! Okay, it's all right because I was thinking. That it was a movie that was filmed around that sort of time as well. No, no. It's, um, Who's the young actor in that? Didn't he go on to be someone more famous? Sebastian um, Rice Edwards, hmm. who um, went on to he went on to direct films as well as starring films. Um, Do you know what? Uh, I was, Friday, I was, Queen mm. Country, and a few things. But but yeah, this is you know it's, it's made in the eighties, comedy, drama, and romance. Apparently, um, <laughs> the and, romance um, in there. I don't remember the romance bit, but. So second John Borman. Second John Borman. And there's a few appearances from um, some other people that have been in films previously, but nobody notching up a third. I don't think it's just people who are notching up second appearances. But yeah, it's it's set in the the Second World War in um, in London during the Blitz and such. So we'll see 
where that one uh, goes. I don't think it'll quite be the the same romp that we've just had <laughs> melodrama. I've got. But, um, I'm thinking uh, if I've seen this one or not. I I know it. I know the movie. I know it very well. I remember it coming out. I can't remember if I've actually seen it. If I did, it would have been back in. 80, whatever it was, 87, 88 when it came out. Yeah. Excellent. Once again, you've you've pulled something out of the bag. Well done, sir. Well, I thought, you know, the period piece, but actually set in the period when the last period piece was Film. filmed, um, I thought that might be a, a good little hook. Excellent. So, I like that idea. Yeah. Hope and glory it is. Been a pleasure, sir, on this bank holiday weekend, once again chatting to you, Easter Sunday. Absolutely, yeah. It's been, uh, you go eat your chocolate eggs and, um, <laughs> and and sit in the garden contemplating gardening. and uh, Yeah, just contemplating uh, gardening, not actually doing a lot of it. Yeah. It's probably best not to, not, not at your age, no. no. So, um, no, it's been my pleasure. It's, you know, Easter bank holiday weekend <laughs> is a time for sitting and watching um, classic British films, in my opinion, and um, to to come on here and actually talk about classic classic British films with you, that just um, brings it up to another level. So, um, can, can we you. just just say to the listener, if you're stuck for a movie to watch, just seek out the Wicked Lady on YouTube or wherever you can find it, because we can't praise it highly enough. That's it from us. See you soon, mate. Bye bye. Take care, mate. Absolute shah. Positive Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.